follow fear or follow faith. Shalom, and welcome to the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations weekly Torah commentary series. I'm Rachel Wolf from Congregation Beth Messiah in Cincinnati, Ohio. This week, we're discussing Parashat Shlach Lecha, Numbers chapters 13 through 15. In last week's portion, Baha'alotcha, the people of Israel, following the cloud of the Lord, moved for the first time after more than a year from the wilderness of Sinai. There they had heard the voice of God from the mountain, and as one people had sincerely proclaimed fidelity to God's covenant. However, fear quickly led them to desperately seek solace in other, more manageable gods, like the calf of gold. After the glorious descriptions in Baha'u'llah of the tribes and the Mishkan departing from the camp at Sinai in beautiful order, there is almost immediate complaining and weeping. Fear has struck again, causing all manner of discontent and accusations. In this week's portion, Israel has moved on to the wilderness of Paran. The location of Paran is not certain, but it seems to be on the west side of the Gulf of Aqaba, southwest of Elat. Here we are at a crossroads. Moses is making preparations per God's instructions to enter and conquer the land of Israel's inheritance. The Twelve. In chapter 13, Moses sends out 12 men, a man from every tribe, quote, everyone a leader among them, unquote, to spy out the land. This action reveals the partnership between God and his people that marks all of our godly activities here on earth. We follow God's word to do his work, yet we also have to prepare by developing intelligent plans. Herein lies our dilemma. Because we are charged with practical and creative responsibility, it is often hard to know how or where faith comes into the picture. It is easy to take on the responsibility not only for planning and doing, but for the outcome. Well, when the Twelve return, they all agree it is a good land. But having seen the inhabitants of the land, ten of them allow themselves to retreat into fear. They fear the unknown, they assess their inadequacy to do the job, and they blubber that this whole leaving Egypt idea was a big mistake. But it's worse than that. Remember, every one of these men are the chosen, respected leaders among the tribes. Not only do they quickly retreat into fear, they exaggerate the dangers and by their report bring all the congregation into such a fearful state that the people weep all night and decide to choose a leader who will take them back to Egypt. That's in chapter 14, 1 to 4. I want to say something here about the importance of young leadership. At this point, Moses and Aaron simply fall on their faces, that's 14.5, presumably praying, but I suspect they are also totally exhausted by the continuous complaining and inability of the people to believe God and to bear with some difficulties. This is when Caleb and Joshua step up, take the helm, and speak up. They tear their clothes in the traditional act of mourning and repentance and then speak forcefully to the people not to fear. That's in 14.6-10. Unfortunately, they could not unearth the quickly sprouting seeds of fear that had been recklessly sown by the ten. God had to step in. But these courageous young leaders continued to serve Moses and the people of Israel until they entered the land. 
The fateful consequence of following fear is that none of the fear generation enter the land of promise. In addition, they sentence their children and grandchildren to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Now let's look at the second round of spies in our Haftorah portion, Joshua 2. Forty years later, poised to arrive and enter into the land, Joshua, now in top leadership, sends this time two spies. It seems Joshua learned something from his previous intelligence gathering experience. So these two spies are sent to check out the situation at Jericho. The spies meet Rachav, a woman who lives right at the wall of the city and seems to be somewhat of a busybody, up on all the news. She tells these two Israelites that, quote, the terror of the Israelites and their God has fallen on the people of the land, unquote, and they are all faint-hearted. She hides the two spies, shows them kindness, and works out a deal with them to preserve her family when they come back to, pre- to destroy the city. The ten spies in Shlachlecha let fear control them when they saw the sheer size of the giant Anakites. With hindsight, we can now see that the fear of the Lord had fallen on the inhabitants of the land, giving the Israelites a significant advantage. Rachav feared, but her fear led her to faith in the God of Israel. Had the ten leader spies 40 years ago controlled their natural human emotion of fear and allowed themselves to be encouraged by the faith of Joshua and Caleb, surely the twelve conferred together as they trudged back to Paran, the outcome would have been quite different. They would have had to fight, but God knew that fear would become their ally instead of their mortal enemy. He himself would cause the hearts of the people dwelling in the land to melt with fear as the story of the Exodus spread abroad. As we focus on God's word and allow ourselves to be encouraged by those blessed with positive faith, we can turn our fears into faith in God's goodness and into positive action. Fear is a malicious and miserly taskmaster. To give in to fear is to retreat into helplessness. To use our God-given imagination against ourselves. God desires that we partner with him in faith in his faithfulness. This will at times entail enduring suffering, but it is the only way to achieve his best in and for us. In my experience, this is easy to understand, but quite a bit harder to actually accomplish, especially as the world grows dark around us. We are creatures who naturally seek safety for ourselves and for our loved ones. There are no pat answers. Yeshua, in Luke 21, exhorts us to stay alert and aware, yet to realize that, quote, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near, unquote. And as we approach the period of the Haftarot of rebuke and consolation, we can join together with our ancestors and feed our imaginations with the sublime words of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. That is, of course, Isaiah 61 to 2. This is Rebetzin Rachel Wolf signing off and wishing you Shabbat Shalom 
For more commentaries like this one, visit umjc.org slash commentaries.